Really good to be back with you. I've missed you guys, and it's been uh, three months. We have a part of our culture here as a senior leaders every seven years, actually 10 for me, but every seven years take three months off to rest, to recharge, to try and stop burning out. Um, so that's what we've done, and uh, it's been an amazing time. And first off to say that I am going to run for prime minister to create, a, to create a society where no one has to work and we all still get paid. Anyone vote for me? I'm in, I'm in, let's do this. Let's do, we th I think we can get the people's movement. I'm sure they'll find the money somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> what can go wrong? Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a great time. And one, one of the months we went to the States uh, to visit Caroline's family. She's from Oklahoma, and so we were there for a, for a month. And uh, it was, I haven't seen them, most of them for about five years. Um, we drove to Tennessee for 13 hours. Uh, you got to love America where you can drive for 13 hours and it says, you know, the sat-nav says, turn left on the next road and drive for 400 miles before you turn next. It's like, that is what it's like. So that was lovely. Saw a bear, which was great. Little, little bear. Apparently bears, when they're one, get thrown out of the, the kind of thing by their mum and they have to offend themselves. So it's a little one-year-old bear. It was quite sad. Although you didn't want to get near him because he was, yeah, I think he would be aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, so that was fun. And we uh, went whitewater rafting. We went tubing down the river for a couple of hours. So yeah, it was lots of fun. Learned to play pickleball. Anyone heard of pickleball? Yeah. Oh, you should need to. Fastest growing sport in the United States now. It's basically a cross between table tennis and tennis, which seems odd until you play it. It, it does work. Um, and except the Americans do it right because we played at chicken and pickle which you basically, you go along, you play pickleball, and then you eat a chicken burger. <laughs> Americans know how to do it. That is how you should play all sport. So, um, yeah, we enjoyed, enjoyed that. And they were all saying to me, we need to start a chicken and pickle here in Bedford. So any entrepreneurs, there is no chicken and pickle here. Gary, Bo Gary Bolton, leave grass behind. Chicken and pickle is what you need. It's the next thing, mate. Um, it's where the money is. So we also visited our friends, Drew and Megan, a church planting in Denver. That was so good. Um, we had a great time reconnecting with them and just seeing their faith, just their family, um, church planting there, which is amazing. Amazing. And then we spent a couple of days, uh, just the, the other two months, I was kind of reading and studying and resting. And I spent a couple of days out on the streets with a friend of mine just sharing with uh, people about Jesus. So that was, that was lovely as well. So yeah, it's been great. Um, and back to earth. Here we go. <laughs> straight, straight in. Um, and I just want to thank also PJ who's not here. PJ apparently helped lead the 1130 really well. Did a great job. We love PJ. So that was amazing. Um, so yeah, it's great to know that you guys are in safe hands and having a good time. So uh, I did feel the Lord speak to me about a number of things over the, over the time, which I'm trying to now percolate and write down. And some of them will come out over the weeks and months to come. But one of them uh, actually comes up today because uh, I did feel the Lord speaking to me about this. And um, this uh, series that we're going to start is uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And we're going to spend 12 weeks in this letter. For those of you who don't know, the New Testament is in two, uh, sorry, the Bible is in two parts, the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And the New Testament, the last third, is basically letters written by people to different people. It's a good job the Bible wasn't written today. Otherwise, Paul's letter to the Romans, which is six. 16 chapters would have been a text message. Um, yo, love the Colosseum. Jesus loves you. 
watch this cat video. You know, it'd been something like that, and that's all we'd have left. Fortunately, we have 16 chapters because they wrote letters, which is great. And uh, the letter to the Galatians, which we're reading today, is one of the most important letters for the Christian faith. In the 1500s, during the Reformation, Martin Luther, who was one of the leaders there, he said, this letter to the Galatians is my wife, which I think his wife was quite a stern woman. So I imagine... When he preached that sermon, he didn't get lunch that day. So husbands, don't try that at home. I think you want to love this letter, but perhaps calling it your wife is a little too much. But that perhaps communicates just how central this letter is to the Christian faith. It is so foundational to our uh, faith. And so if you're not yet a Christian, if you're just leaning in, this is a key letter for you to understand and to read together. And Paul is writing to a group of churches in Galatia, which is a Roman province in North, now in northern uh, Turkey. And he's writing to these churches and he's basically, he'd started them about four or five years ago and they were clearly diverting from the message that he'd given them. And he's really, really concerned about it. He's so concerned that he writes them this uh, letter. And he is arguing for the core of our faith. There's lots of things you can add on to the Christian faith, but Paul is arguing what is at the heart, what is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, right at the core of it. That's what he's arguing for and trying to defend in this letter. So we're going to read it together, the first 10 verses. Someone want to come and, uh, I need a brave soul to come and read it for us. Oh, this is not working. That's not a good one to give them. Let's give them that one. Who want, I'm, I'm, look, I'm getting crushed in the rush of volunteers. Uh, who wants to come? It's just two slides. Yes, come, come. Great. Thank you. We need a round of applause for the, what clearly was a courageous act. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's just the two slides behind me. Yeah, from reading the screen, yeah. Okay. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So good. So we have lots of Paul's letters written down and never, ever does he so quickly turn 
from a general welcome to a brutal challenge in the first three, four, five verses. In even the letter to the Corinthians, another church, which was in a mess, Paul at least spends nine verses saying, hey, and God loves you and I love you. But here, he doesn't mess around. He goes straight for the jugular, and by the end of the second sentence, he's already on it. Why? It just shows you how critical this uh, issue was for Paul in the churches that he was going after. He'd started these um, churches about four or five years earlier, and he is absolutely shocked that within four or five years, they have now moved on to a different version of the gospel, a distortion of the gospel, he calls it. You know, the way they train people to identify fake banknotes is not, as I thought, looking at loads of fake banknotes and saying, oh, you can fake it this way, you can fake it that way, you can fake it. They don't do that. What they do is they basically spend hours and hours studying the real thing. They study and study and study the real banknotes. And so by the end of that time, you can easily identify a fake because you've spent your time studying the real thing. You understand what a real banknote looks like. And it's the same for us today. What I want us to do is look at what is the gospel that Paul is talking about? Why was he so concerned that people were losing it? Why is it significant for us today that we also hold on to that gospel? What were the distortions that Paul was facing and what difference does it make to us? That's what I want to look at. What was Paul's gospel? What were the distortions and what difference does it make for us today? And the reason, i just start with that. The reason this is important for us today is that because of the internet, we are hearing all sorts of different messages that purport to be the gospel. They purport to be the Christian message, but as we'll see this morning, they aren't. At the heart of them, they are missing or distorting something. And that's why it's so critical if you're a teenager here today. You are being handed on something that we have received in our generation to the next generation. And you need to know, is what I've been handed on the right thing? Is this some phony message or is this the real deal? And that's what we need to look at today. So what was Paul's gospel? That's where we need to start. What was this gospel that he's talking about? Well, if you read the, the book of Acts, which is one of the first books of the New Testament, Paul in four different occasions, preaches the gospel. You read it, and it's written in full. His sermon in Antioch, uh, churches to people in Antioch, his sermon in Athens, his farewell speech in Ephesus, and at his trial, he defends and declares, this is what I've been preaching. And so four times we read the gospel, and we do not have time to read all those four times and to give you all the verses, so you're going to have to either this week do your homework and read them for yourself, uh, or you can trust me, or you can do both. You should trust me. But <laughs> this is what you see from those four passages. Four passages, four times Paul preaches the gospel. You can basically summarize them in the why of the gospel, the how of the gospel, and the what of the gospel. Let me just unpack that. The why of the gospel. The first thing is this. Paul talks about why is the gospel important to us. You can pop up the next slide. Why, is, why do we even need the gospel? Well, the first thing is he says there is one God. There is one God. If you can pop the next slide up, that'd be great. But not that one. Go back. Yeah, that's good. Brilliant. Thank you. There is one God. There is one true God who created the world. This is good news. There's not a pantheon of gods. There's not no gods. There is one true God. And Paul says he's a father who loves you. Thank you so much. I had a hallelujah. There is one true God. That was foundation of, of, of Paul's message. And then he declares the why of the gospel is that sin is a real deal. He points the fact that the reason the world is in a mess is not just because of the problem out there, but it's because of the problem in here. 
that sin which most of us never even think about until we hear the gospel. You know, we basically think, most of no, I've felt this myself, you know, compared to Hitler, I'm all right. You know, pretty much everyone compares themselves to Hitler. You know, compared to Hitler, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. But when you hear the gospel, you realize, oh no, sin is a real big deal. That actually, I can't just exempt myself from the problems out there. The problems out there start with the problems in here. That I am part of the mess. I am part of the mess. And fixing me is part of the solution to the mess. So that's Paul's why. Why do we need the gospel? Because there's a God. And because sin is a problem and it's messing up this planet and it's messing up our lives. And then he goes on to the how of the gospel. He talks about God's grace. That this is not about us desperately trying to claw our way to God. That God is the one who initiated. He is not just sitting back like some blind watchmaker who set the world uh, uh, going and then just kind of left it. No, God is initiating. It's his grace. That word is undeserved favor. We have the undeserved favor of God. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're covered in undeserved favor. Just like... (laughs) You are covered in the grace of God. The grace of God is reaching out to you. He's not just left you and thought, well, they messed it up, leave them to it. No, the grace of God is coming after you. He loves you with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is initiated by God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Please, somebody get happy. (laughs) It's so good. The grace of God. And then he talks about Christ's sacrifice and the resurrection. Christ's death on the cross and the resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. It's central. It comes up again and again and again. You can't edit it out. Thirdly, he talks about the justification by faith. Now, that's a hard word for us. We don't really use it today. It's a legal word. It basically means a judge who's declared you right. Imagine you're in a trial of your life. You're you're facing a a court case. They've brought a a case against you, and you know that you're guilty. But the judge says, look, someone else has paid the penalty in your place. You are justified. You can walk free. That's what Paul is saying has happened. That's what's happened. Christ has paid the price for each one of us. We are justified. How? By faith in what Christ has done. Again and again, this phrase, that's why I couldn't change it or tweak it. Justification by faith is central to the message that we have to carry and have to understand and pass on. Justification by faith. And then, sixthly, the call to repent and believe. That we can't just be passive when it comes to this message. We need to change. We need to turn ourselves around. We need to believe in what Christ has done. We need to repent for what we have done wrong. How we have partnered with this sick and twisted world. We need to turn ourselves around. Not stop stop pointing the finger out there. Start pointing the finger in here and say, Jesus, I need you. We need to repent and believe. And then what did the gospel achieve? The last bit he always talks about is this. Forgiveness and reconciliation with God through Jesus. That you don't have to live with this brokenness anymore. Firstly, you can be forgiven by God, but then you can begin to forgive other people. Wow, that is revolutionary. There's nowhere else that you can see that operating. And then lastly, he talks about resurrection and judgment. That there will be a resurrection from the dead. That this life is not all there is. There is a life after this life. And it's important that you know that. And that there is a judgment coming. And that those who are in Christ, they will receive their past. They will be justified and enter into eternal life with God. And those who won't will face the wrath of God. Paul's very straight on that in all of his messages. So that is the gospel. 
That's the foundation of our faith. That's what Paul passed down to us today and what I'm passing on to you. That is the foundation of the gospel. Some of you, you have never, ever heard it before this morning or you've heard it but never responded to it. And for you, this is the day. This is the day where you receive this as good good news. This is news for, not just for me, not just for Caroline, not just for Owen. This is not just for Sandra. This is good news for you if you respond to it today. You know, I was chatting to an NFL football player over the, over the summer, and he used to play for the NFL, and he was 22 years old, and he was at the height of his game. He, he was receiving, I don't know how much, tens of thousands a week to play probably, but no one had ever shared the gospel with him. And someone shared the gospel with him, and he gave his life to Christ. And now he works for a church. He's like, he's like, in a, he's like sharing the gospel with others. He said, it's just changed my life. It's changed my life. This is the gospel. And you notice even in Paul's letter to the Galatians, right at the beginning, we read it, uh, verse 3. This is what he writes. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And you just read that one sentence, and he has got six of the eight things in that one sentence. Six of his points for the gospel out of eight are in that one sentence. That's how much this guy oozed the gospel. The gospel just poured out of him. It just, wherever he went, he reminded people of the gospel. And that really fits the challenge. One of the, the challenges I felt over the summer was, was simply this. Simon, are you, are you living and sharing the gospel? You know, as I reflect back as the busyness of Christian ministry, all of that stuff... Am I living and sharing it in the way that I should? We were out with um, two different um, uh, people, and both of them, with the, when we were, just before we ate um, the meal at a restaurant, they said to the waiter or the waitress, hey, look, I'm, I'm, we're here, we're going to pray for our food before we eat. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And it was just, we had some beautiful encounters with these guys, and I was just thinking, oh, these guys are just taking opportunities that I would just have missed out. <laughs> Is there something that's in me that wants to share the gospel and that is faithfully sharing the gospel like that? And there's actually different ways that Paul shares the gospel. Sometimes he just tells people the gospel. And sometimes he just tells his story and weaves the gospel through it. You can read those in those four passages in Acts. He does both. So for some of you, you know, there's a tool called the three circles, which we've shown on a Sunday before. I haven't got time to show it now, but if you want to learn it, it's called the three circles gospel. You can look on YouTube and it's just a very simple way to share the gospel. And it will cover those eight points in a simple, easy to illustrate diagram that you can draw on a note card. Um, and it's just so straightforward. When I went out on the streets over the summer, uh, we did a little training. We did this and then we just went out offering prayer. Anyone we met, we just said, look, we're praying for, our ta- for this town anything we can pray for you for those that were interested which is more than you would think probably about half the people um said hey yeah there's this you could pray for this and then we said hey have you heard the three circles um before and if they said no which most of them hadn't um uh we just shared took took three minutes and then just asked them um what they want i mean just we had some just lovely encounters with people there's one guy he said i was sitting in the park and um i was thinking about the universe and god and then you guys walked up (laughs) 
He said, I was wondering, is there a God? And then you guys walked up and shared this with me. It's like, I need to think about these things. So you might want to use that, or you might just want to share your story. You know, for some, you know, that, oh, using a tool, that's all a bit clunky. I'm more of a relational person. That's fine. Then use your story. The danger with using a tool like that is it can feel a bit formal. The danger with just sharing your story is that you can leave massive parts out of the gospel. So whichever way you use, the question for us is, are you sharing the gospel? Is it coming out of your life to the people around you, not to every person you, you know, you, you, know, you ask for a coffee in Starbucks and, or other good coffee shop, and, um, you know, say, oh, before I have my latte, let me just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be artificial, but the question I would pose, and I feel the Lord posing to me is, over my life, is the gospel pouring out of me? You know, across the last year, how many times did I share the gospel? Are people hearing the gospel? And are they hearing the whole gospel from you? What does that look like? Are you praying for opportunities to share the gospel? There's a, a friend of mine who was just telling me this week, he's got a Muslim lady in his workplace, an acquaintance, and she just asked him one day, and she said, um, are you, um, are, were you born a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Were you born a Christian? And he's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> And she said, well, I just don't believe you can be born a Christian. I need to share my story with you. But there wasn't time then. So a few days later, he prayed. And he said, God, let me meet her again. He's a part of a big organization. Let me meet her again and let me share my story. That day, she's there in the workplace again. He said, hey, have you got time to sit down and hear my story now? So she did. They sat down and he just shared his story and weaved the gospel through his story. But I love that. I loved his desire to share the gospel and his willingness to share it through his story. So... Whatever way for you, are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing it? And is our people hearing the whole gospel? Over the lifetime of your relationship with those people, are you sharing the whole gospel? The second point is, is this. What was the distorted gospel that Paul was so mad about? You know, it appears that Paul had preached to them, faithfully imparted this message within four or five years people would change the message. They'd added things in and they'd said, hey, look, you can, you can follow Jesus, that's right, but you also need to be circumcised, which I'm sure wasn't a good message for the guys. You also need to, <laughs> ladies are like, great. Uh, <laughs> you also need to do all these Jewish rituals. You also need to do all these things. You need to add these other things on to, to ensure that you're saved. Some of the guys are still wincing at that thought. You, you need to add these things in to the gospel. And Paul was like, this is a distortion of what I taught you. The sad thing today is that we don't just have one distortion. We are dripping with distortions of the gospel. And I appeal particularly to you young guys who are on social media a lot, on YouTube a lot. You are just being bombarded with things that look like the gospel, but that aren't the gospel. At the heart. And I've, just, I've done a table. I used to be an engineer. People, some of you are like, yay, tables. Others are like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen one of those since history, since geography, GCC. Anyway, <laughs> I've done a table. Here is like six of the key gospels that you will hear preached today, sometimes in churches. Some of you have been in churches that have preached these gospels. Some of you have seen it online. And this is how they stack up against Paul's eight elements of the gospel, okay? So first there's the prosperity gospel, which teaches you basically you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy once you come to Jesus. Now, does God want to bless our finances and our health? Amen. Is that the pure focus of the gospel? Absolutely not. It doesn't talk about repentance. It doesn't talk about the fact that really there's a life to come. We're not just about accumulating more in this life. There's the prosperity gospel. There's the hyper-grace gospel that says God's grace is huge and enormous. Is God's grace huge and enormous? Amen. 
But it misses out the fact that God also calls us to repentance and change. It misses out the fact that we're also called to follow him and change our lives and share with other people. There's the universal gospel, which basically says God loves everyone so much that everyone is going to come to know him ultimately. Does God want everyone to come to know him? Absolutely does. Will everyone? No. Why not? Because there's a message of a cross. There's a message of putting your faith in Jesus and not everyone else not everyone wants to hear that message. And so they reject the message and the way of salvation. And Jesus, you know, the preacher of love and harmony that people see him as, said, no one comes to the Father but through me. He was exclusive. And we like, don't like that in our day. We're like, no, no, let everyone just be. Jesus was not, ex- ex- he was not inclusive like that. He was inclusive in that anyone can come, but he wasn't inclusive that you can just take any route to God. He said, no one comes to God but by me. You've got to do something with that. You've either got to believe it or disbelieve it. You make your choice, but Jesus definitely said it. Then there's the social gospel that says, we really need to see society transformed and the poor helped. Do we want to see society transformed and the poor helped? Absolutely we do. But also we need to teach about the cross. The poor, as much as anyone else, need to put their faith in Jesus. We need to repent from our sins and turn from our sins. We can't just help people. That's great to help people, but we can't just help people. And some people can't hear the gospel until we have helped them. That's why we believe in social action. But a social gospel says, yeah, you don't really need any of that sort of stuff. We just want to help people. That's not the gospel. Then there's a works-based gospel that says, yeah, God's great. Grace is great, but you've really got to earn. You've got to work your way. You know, this Christian life is hard work. Is the Christian life hard work? Amen. <laughs> but what's the foundation? What do we have to remember when we come into worship every Sunday? Oh, it's the grace of God. I've messed up this week. I'll mess up next week. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. A works-based gospel just keeps you working harder and harder and harder. Oh, there's another thing to do. There's nothing to do. Pray more, read more, study more. <sighs> if you're in that place, the grace of God. But if you're the other way, oh, the grace of God. Yeah, but you've also <laughs> got to sort your life out. You can't keep doing that. There's truth in both these things. And the self-help gospel, which is just, you know, this Bible is just added to a number of other books to help yourself. You know, that's the self-help gospel, whereas it doesn't really teach about the fact that we've got to repent and come to Christ and that this life is not just about this life. It's also about the life to come. Notice a few things. One is that all of these gospels have an element of truth in them. That's why they look so good on the surface. There is something that's true. And sometimes they emphasize something that's actually been underemphasized elsewhere. And so they look so good on the surface, but notice that they all miss some elements out. They distort the gospel. That's what Paul says. It's not like they're total lies. They distort the gospel. That's why Paul was coming so strongly, because it was, it's so dangerous. Uh, the most dangerous thing in the world, I think, um, uh, I can't remember who said it now, but the most dangerous thing in the world is not a lie, but a half-truth. And that's the reality with these things. The other thing is that Paul is pretty straight with these guys. He says, let them be accursed. We're like, oh, we don't like that. That feels a little bit strong. That's a little bit strong, Paul. You've gone over the top. You know, we know you're passionate, but you've gone over the top by saying they should be accursed. That's just too much. But just think about this. Paul is basically saying, look, if you had a cure for cancer, 
which you developed and were giving away for free. And then someone came in and slightly tweaked it, slightly changed it, started selling it. You wouldn't be like, you know what, let's just live and let live. That's fine, you know. You'd be like, no, you're corrupting this thing. It doesn't work anymore. It's not, it's not the cure that it should be. People are taking it and they, you know, they won't take the proper thing because they're taking this fake version and it's destroying their lives. Paul doesn't, he's not making it personal. He's saying, even if I preach a different gospel, let me be accursed. He's saying, this is the gospel that I have faithfully received and handed on to you. This is the gospel. Don't let anyone preach a different gospel. He even at one point in his life goes back to the other leaders of the early church and says, look, this is the gospel I've been preaching for the last 10 years. Is it the right gospel? There's an accountability there. You'll notice a lot of these other gospels and a lot of these other people that preach this gospel, there's no accountability. That's a, a good sign. Actually, when there's challenge brought to go back to the scriptures, there's no accountability there. It's a distortion and Paul is stern with it. So the last thing we'll land with this, why might we want to choose a different gospel? And this is the, the heart of what Paul was driving at. Galatians 1 verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I was trying to please man. Paul realizes that the heart of all these distortions is pretty much this one thing. I just want to please people. I don't know about you, but I'd like to edit bits out of the gospel. Just anyone want to be honest with me right now? I'd like to edit bits out. I'd like to edit bits out. There's some bits in there that are awkward. I don't want to talk about sin. Who wants to talk about that? That's not popular. I don't want to talk about the cross of Christ. That's all bloody and a bit nasty. No one wants to talk about I certainly don't want to talk about judgment. Anyone want to talk about judgment and the wrath of God? I would like to edit bits out of the gospel. And Paul says, yeah, we all would. We all would like to be more popular. We'd all like to edit bits out. The reason we do it is because we want to please men and not please Christ. And he says, if I were aiming to please men, I, couldn't, I could not be, he says, a servant of Christ. That's harsh. That's hard to hear. But Paul gets to the heart of it. The reason we want to edit the gospel out is because we want to please people. We want them to like us. And he's not saying you need to be unnecessarily offensive. But what he's saying is, fundamentally, we have been given this message. We have been entrusted. That's why again and again in the Bible, the word that's used with the gospel is faithful. You know, we love in our day to innovate. Paul's saying, this isn't an issue to innovate. <laughs> innovate your technology. Innovate your other stuff. Don't innovate the gospel. He's saying, carry it faithfully. That which you've been handed down, and I hope you guys of the next generation who are still with me realize that we are passing on to you that which has, I've, has been passed on to us as faithfully as we can. And you can, you can package it differently to make it more accessible. You can stick it on TikTok. You can do what you like with it, but don't innovate it. That's not our job here. Our job is to pass it on as faithfully as we can. This is the gospel. And Paul starts in this place which is where I think his security comes from he said look I've not been sent as an apostle which is a sent one on behalf of men I've been sent by Christ himself oh that was my slide on editing out the gospel I've been sent I've been sent to by Christ himself which is which is 
the key of our security. If you know that Jesus himself has saved you and that Jesus himself has sent you, it gives you a really deep security that you don't, you think, that's who I want to please. Ultimately, one day I'm going to stand and give an account, not before men, but before Christ himself. I, I, I don't want to, and there's, the grace of God is with me for that. But I don't want to, I'm not going to be standing next to this person in front of me at the, at the end of the day, I'm going to be standing in front of Jesus. And he's the one who will make me stand. So, what is our response? I've hopefully, as best as I can, delivered to you the gospel and given you a way of seeing the true gospel so that you can look at the distortions that you see around you and think, yeah, I think that's a distortion. That's not the gospel. Secondly, we've looked at some of those distortions and seen why they're distortions. So what do we, what do we respond? Firstly, the question is, have you heard the gospel? Maybe the, today's the first time you've really heard it and understood it. Have you heard the gospel? Have you put your faith in Christ? Secondly, are you sharing the gospel? Is that your trajectory? And I don't want you to walk out of here feeling all guilty and heavy. I want you to walk out of here with a trajectory. Because Jesus didn't say, I'm, off you go, you're on your own. He said, I know you're scared. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. So our appeal when we feel scared and vulnerable is, Lord, put your Holy Spirit in me because I want to have courage. I need, but the apostles, the earliest apostles who had seen Jesus face to face were still terrified and they prayed, God, give us boldness because they know this is not a popular message. So are you sharing the gospel? And thirdly, what gospel are you sharing? Particularly, I would say, if you share your gospel through your story, which is probably the easiest way to do it, do you edit out bits that are not convenient? Do you edit out the judgment of God? Do you edit out sin? Do people who hear your story just end up with, oh, God loves me and he wants me to have a nice life? Or do they really end up with the whole gospel? That's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for all of us. What gospel? If you're sharing the gospel, firstly, are you, oh, they're sharing the wrong gospel. Well, you're never sharing the gospel. So firstly, are you sharing it? That's the challenge for me. But secondly, what gospel are you sharing? Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, Someone please send him back on sabbatical. That was really uncomfortable. <laughs> no, just, why don't you just take a moment, just turn to your neighbour and say, what stood out to you? What jumped, what jumped out to you?